This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that is full of Christmas spirit, literally in my case. Uh, Chelsea visited the stripy Nigels on Saturday, and amidst the Stygian gloom of a misty Selhurst Park, dug out another gritty 1-0 win to leave us six points clear at the top of the table, and indisputably, this year's Christmas number one. Our third 1-0 win in a row seems to indicate that, as Jeffrey Boycott would have it, we're getting them in singles. But do we really care as long as we keep winning and march on to hopefully another title next year? And all the while, the love affair with Antonio continues. I am Stamford Chidge, and the name of tonight's show is The Chelsea Fancast, 1 by 1 nil. Yes, indeed. Great and clever, uh, clever with me to... you, Did you Very like that, clever. Jonathan? Yeah, because it could be W-O-N as, as well as O-N-E, couldn't it? It could. One by it one could. Bill, it and is, it's one it is by spelled... one, as in one after it, yeah. the other. One by one, you see. Oh, you're, a bit, you're a bit quiet, love. I'm, I'm, I'm right over the top of the, uh, the mic here. No, but you so, are. You're a bit quiet. Yeah. Perhaps I'm just quiet in me today, Chidge. I don't know. Consent. I <laughs> Compared to the others, you are. Uh, I've been working hard. And this has Chidge. relevance. This has relevance for later on, Jonathan, although you may already have read the script. But you are a bit quiet. I don't know if you can turn the level up a bit. Anyway, whatever. We have. We have. And I mean, we missed him last week. I certainly missed him last week. It's, it, it, it seemed really weird doing a show without you, Jonathan. But welcome back. Thank you very much. I, uh, I did well at the carol service. I read uh, a large bit of Christmas carol and got a few laughs. So it was nice. I played Scrooge and I played uh, uh, his nephew. So it was good. Excellent stuff, excellent stuff. Now, we Thank also you. have with us uh, a man who I've missed and uh, who uh, uh, has been bombing down the A34 in order to join us. And uh, we, we politely waited for him, actually, which is why we're running a bit late tonight. But I, I just didn't feel comfortable starting a show without the wonderful, wonderful Tony Glover. 
Good evening, Chidge. It's a pleasure to be here. And all I can say is that there are there's only one thing or one thing that I hate and detest more in this world than Spurs and Rafa Benitez, and it's the A34. Dig the bloody road up and start again. That's what I say. Anyway, I'm happy, yeah. chilled and ready to go, mate. Well, I concur about the A34, mate, uh, as it it, it, it it's, uh, kind of bypasses Winchester and it is a flaming nightmare. So you do have my sympathies. Now, last but by no means least, uh, we have The Return. Uh, she made her debut, as Jonathan was remembering before we went on air, a while ago uh, when she came on to talk about one of her fantastic uh, World War One stroke Chelsea-infused books. Uh, since then, she started doing this fantastic blog called Girls Who Like Balls. So we have a girl who likes balls on the show tonight. Uh, take nothing by that. But we have the lovely Alex Churchill with us. Hello. Can I just say, and- I take your A34 and I raise you the four hours I spent in Toys R Us this afternoon. <laughs> four yeah, I can't four that one. hours. <laughs> Three times mm. through the checkout, eight hundred pound later. It was all for charity, by the way. If I had a child, it wouldn't get a tenth of that. But yeah. Well, well done, you, Alex. I think that's very Trojan of you. Now, listen, you. Um, as this is, this could be your only chance. I'm going to get in there quick. Would you like to tell okay. the listener all about this fantastic blog? What you have been doing called "Girls Who Like Balls." This blog, what I wrote. Um, yes, yeah, just basically. Yeah, match report and waffling and rambling and sarcasm after every game. Goes up on the night of the game usually, usually after I've looked at match today, just to make sure that I wasn't completely wrong about what I thought I saw at the ground. But yes, so it's about Mm. 1,800 words usually of Chelsea waffle and a Mm. fair bit of slagging off other teams as well, because let's face it, it's fun. I have to say, it's thoroughly, thoroughly um, brilliant, and I do enjoy reading it. The only, the only problem I have with it is, why did you not ask your uncle Chidge to put it on the Chelsea fancast, thereby ensuring that nobody read it? <laughs> that last, that last bit was a joke, incidentally. <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm laughing on the inside, on it. Well, you know, you're welcome to stick it up there. I know you've been sticking it in other places, like the CSG and uh, Uncle Pete you Sampson and all. It's... It wherever you like, Jidge. Okay. It's going to be There's very no innuendo, innuendo filled two hours, isn't it? I think this is going to be called Carry On Chelsea Fancast tonight. I have, <laughs> I have a feeling. We've got I Tony so. in the house. That's all. Yeah, it's always a good cue. And Jonathan, Jonathan, like me, he likes a knob gag. Uh, right. Should we move on? <laughs> okay. On the gag. show, he is a knob gag. Well, there you go. At least he's he 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 he. he knob gag. Are we on to Vegor already? Not quite, but we will be soon. Anyway, right, <laughs> on the show tonight, enough. On the show tonight, we'll be talking uh, 1-0 to the Chelsea. Uh, in part two, we'll be discussing the secret to Conte's success. Uh, what will we do without Costa and Kante for the next match? We come to praise Caesar not to bury him, and we celebrate being top of the tree. In part three, we look back at the match against Sunderland and ask, should Fabregas have... Well, you know, should he start, basically, more matches because he was so bloody good... And have we warmed to Thibaut Courtois after his fantastic, uh, I'd say, three-point saving saves, really? Uh, And in part four, we have four emails to test the vocal cords of the Jonathan Kidd. Um, That was actually a typo. 
I love that. Yeah. The Jonathan Kidd. Well, it the, was a typo, the, Jonathan, but I've left it in there. because You I left it, it, thank it, you. It, the bell end. True. You left bell end out. Oh, you? indeed. Anyway, uh, um, apart from all that, of course, don't forget you can listen to the show every uh, every Monday live at 7 o'clock by going to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast, where you can join in with the lovely people on the chat room. We have many, 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 many people in here tonight, including my, my old friend from... Uh, San Diego, Mr. Felix Verin, uh, Andy Silverman, a little bit closer to home. Matt Jazz is in the house. Now, Matt Jazz uh, is, is, a, is, is a, lives in the beautiful country of Slovenia. He'll now tell me it's the other one. But uh, either way, he made it all the way over to the Sunderland game. How about that? Now, that is an away, an, is an away trip, isn't it? So fair play There's to people uh, Matt with Jazz, relatives in Christmas, at Christmas that won't go back to Sunderland from 20 miles away. So, yes, that is impressive. Isn't it just? Anyway, loads of other people. Gar- Gaffer's in the house. Garfield Bailey. Mr. Chiverton's in the house. Andrew Self. I saw Alan May score. Dylan. Joe the Blitter. So many people. But anyway, get in there. It's great fun, as they will attest to. Uh, now, um, after this very little break, uh, we will be talking about uh, Palace versus Chelsea. So uh, another one nil win. Uh, you know we we, we beat Palace one nil. Uh, we beat Sunderland one nil. Uh, we beat West Brom one nil. Um, and you know it, it's a funny old thing, isn't it? I mean, you know, it's kind of digging out the old result. But I'll get into that in a minute, really. But uh, the first thing before we do is is we must talk about uh, Diego Costa. Um, I mean, I know he got booked, and we'll talk about that again later as well. But Blimey! I mean, I thought that I thought it was a superb goal. Actually, I really do. I, I heard I heard Kevin Day, uh, who's a comedian apparently, but he was on Talksport this afternoon talking about. And he's a big Palace fan, and he described the goal uh, uh, and about apparently the defender who tracked Hazard basically kind of sat down, read a newspaper, and then got up again and, and watched Hazard go past <laughs> him. And then the de- defenders. I mean, he, it was really funny the way he described how utterly shit Palace were and the way they defended that, but. <laughs> I mean, I, I disagree. I thought Aspie put in an absolutely perfect ball and Costa just absolutely, you know, just did absolutely the best thing he could and got it in. I mean, Jonathan, how much joy did that Costa goal give you? Oh, gosh, I bounced around like a like a shuttlecock. Um, and also it was like watching a game from the 60s because it was so foggy. And, uh, it was, kept, wasn't it? I, oh, God, it was absolutely bizarre. I kept thinking... How's this going to, as long as it's going to last? And then another lot would, I think I actually was saying, oh, look, it's cleared a bit now, hasn't it? And then another lot would just blow in. And you'd think, God, can I actually see to the far end? Because we were just down by the penalty area. As we discovered, I was only about five yards away from you. I don't know why we missed each other. But uh, in, in the second row. But it, it, was a, it was a very simple goal, wasn't it? But, it, you know, wonderful cross and uh, a wonderful simple cross. Just got there before everybody. I actually had to think. I thought, has it gone in? It's so simple. He's just headed it. He got the angle absolutely right. And it's just uh, the goalkeeper hasn't come out. And he's, he's scored. And there was a kind of delayed reaction from us all. Because we thought, God, that was really easy, wasn't it? 
and mm. uh, and then everybody went bananas, of course, as you as you'd expect. Um, but the trouble I find with one one nil is it, it just does me completely because I'm always convinced that the opposition will score, um, well, albeit flukily or just you know terrible refereeing decision. So uh, you know, I just I just so hope we want to score another goal, and uh, we were we were obviously unlucky not to, as in all the other. The other games we won one nil, but God, it doesn't it doesn't do me any good. As I've said before on the show, partly because um, so many times in the past, uh, you know, we've got to one nil and not not held out, and so it's that uh, it's my lack of trust, and I should have more trust in the team because they're a very solid unit. It's very impressive, um, but uh, um, yeah, we can get on to that more. I think I've spoken enough now, actually, for the moment. Give well, there we go. You talked yourself out. How how often have I ever let you do that, Jonathan? Very well. No, very no. There's more. For you did. There's more to go. But I felt I'm rambling on a bit here, man. And also, yeah, I'll, I'll probably f- start talking about something that you're going to be talking about later. So there we go. There we go. Maybe I'll give you the week off more often. It obviously does you good. I, I tell you, I, I agree <laughs> with all of that, by the way. And I mean that the other, the other. I mean, quite frankly, I, I, I you know. That cost. He had no right to score that. I, I think. I mean, he really, really didn't. You know, two central defenders and the goalkeeper there, and none of them, uh, you know, got anywhere near him. Um, but one thing I will say, Tony, is that, I mean, I had a chat with Kerry Dixon this afternoon, and and he was saying that he said the thing about Chelsea at the moment is that we're we're, we're at least what I mean. It sounds like a really odd thing to say, but I kind of understood what he meant when he said. We're always at least a goal better than everybody we're playing at the moment. So I think what he means by that was that, you know, we might only be winning 1-0, but it's enough. And actually, had, you know, had we not scored then, then he feels that we would have scored later. And I mean, Alonso hit the bar, of course. But uh, I mean, what do, what do you think, Tone? I agree. Um, and I think we've been, frankly, a bit unlucky uh, not to have done some of these teams by more. Certainly, um, I thought we were probably worth a goal or two more against um, Sunderland. And, and the, the two, well, certainly the game I missed, which uh, at Stamford Bridge, West Bromwich Albion, um, I thought, you know, again, we were a bit unlucky. I, I wanted to describe Saturday's performance as a fire blanket for me. We just threw a blanket over Crystal Palace and said, go on in. Um, and I, I really enjoyed that. It was a blanket it was of almost, fog, Tony. A blanket of fog. A blanket of fog. But we, we, we kind of killed them off and, and kind of just gave them the, the whole thing that no matter what they did, they weren't really going to get anywhere near us or, or lay, a, lay a finger us. And I know they're, they're a team that, you know, are apparently in a bit of, you know, a rough old run of form or whatever. But um, uh, ultimately, they're the dangerous ones. They're the ones we would have slipped up against last year. You know, we would we would have been in trouble against teams like that. Um, and I just thought it, there was something Italian about it in a way. Something about going in and basically just saying, you're not good enough. You're not going to get anyone, um, you know, you're not going to get near us. And I really, really enjoyed it. I th- and your th- thing about Costa, watching it on the telly. Yeah, it was one. Of, God, I assume you were there from what Jonathan's just said. Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you know, when you go to a game and you're there live and occasionally you see the ball looping up and you think and there's this kind of millisecond before you realise it's actually gone in. Yeah, it was yeah. worse, I think, on the telly. I don't think really? it was worse because I had to look and go eh, um, and then like leap up and down and go, fuck me, we've scored or whatever. Like you know, it just it just seems to slow down. And maybe it's just because I'm an old silly old bastard. Um, no, I think also Tony, it's because it was such a slow header. Yes, he just looped it up. Yeah, and we actually thought, and I actually, all of us, it was a delay. There was a slight delay of people thinking, has it gone in? Has he scored? Yes, yeah, it was so it. simple and so slow and loopy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, and it it just was. Think- and it, I, 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 on the telly, 
I was just surprised. I've seen, I, I, was, I was sort of got out of my seat and sort of leant forward and went, yeah, fuck me, I have scored, yeah. <laughs> you know, completely ignoring what the commentator was shouting, you know. No, it's interesting. I mean, to be honest, Tony, you know, I'm amazed Jonathan, who, who we've now established was only sitting a, a few yards away from me, but I spent most of the entire game, uh, you know, using the opportunity that I, I rarely have, which is to be pretty much pitch side. I was in, in the second row. So I used that uh, wonderful opportunity to shout obscenities at the referee and the Crystal Palace <laughs> goalkeeper for most of the entire match. Jesus, you've done referee. that with me. You've done that with me, Chidge. Oh, Jonathan, I was, I was, it was, it was Chidge Unchained uh, Palace, mate. Nothing like I, I was a bit, I felt a bit shackled when I was with you, mate. I was absolutely unchained, and I actually came out with a swear word which I cannot repeat uh, on air, but it's prefaced by thunder. Uh, and uh, the bloke, the bloke in front of me said, "I've never heard that ever used before." And I said, "It comes from the same t- same stable as bleep tard." And he fell about laughing. He thought that was quite funny. But the other thing I really enjoyed was the fact I I have quite a loud voice, as people know. But I was so close to the action that I I was able to swear at Wayne Hennessy and actually caught his attention. So I said, "Yeah, you, you." Mm-mm-mm. And he, yeah. So there you go. So that was basically my game. So I'm amazed I actually saw any of it. But uh, Alex, no doubt, being a lady, was a little bit more <coughs> strained. Um, Alex, what I'd, I would like to ask you is this, is that, mm. you know, there are two schools of thought here. And I think Tony's alluding to it when he's saying that actually at 1-0 he didn't feel too nervous, whereas Jonathan felt, like me, always a little bit nervous when we 1-0. But I, I think, number one, I think Palace actually did something that Sunderland didn't do. They actually had a bit of a go. But secondly, I also think that we're defending so well at the moment um, as the defence and also as a team. You know, you never really felt... I mean, I don't really think Palace had a proper real shot on target, to be honest. I mean, you know, punching went close, I know. But, I mean, what do, what do you think? I mean, is, it, is think, it a bit of both or what, Alex? I think all the many hordes of us bricking it on the sideline a lot of that is left over from last season I think because we couldn't defend yeah. for shit could we and we'd concede out of nothing but you're right it sounds really smug to say oh your Palace didn't look like scoring because Palace aren't a bad side and they did have a go no. and they're not awful they're getting awful results but I don't think they're actually awful if that makes any mm. sense whatsoever no, I agree and I actually think the fact that they only lost 1-0 to us shows that they actually that was their best performance for a while because haven't they been tanking like three or four goals in every game and I just, but you're right. I just think that we look so much more solid. And it does, it sounds a bit smug to say, well, they didn't get close, but actually they, they had a go. But I actually, you're right. I can't remember any occasion apart from the punching one, which he, I could have, I could have hit it with my Nan's handbag better than he hit when he scuffed it across the front of goal. It was awful. Um, but yeah, I, I can't remember any heart in mouth moment. But that might be because I couldn't see two thirds of the pitch. Hmm. Well, I would agree with that. And I mean, you know, actually talking of punching, whenever he got the ball, I, 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 I did, again, avail myself of the opportunity by being very close to him to sh- shout out, shit, in a minute, you're going to shit in a minute. Sadly, I hope you had took a complete up. go at Zaha for spending more time on the floor than he did on his feet. No, I was in my element, Alex. Because I, 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 I sit at the back of gate 17 and, and I'm like miles away from the... From the players, you know, I just yeah. couldn't. I was like a kid at Christmas, literally, you know, knowing that everything that I shouted would be heard by the players. Yeah. So I took you have to, do you know, when you when you've reached a level that cannot be surpassed, my friend is alluded to in Peter Crouch's biography, autobiography. Really? Um, 
is a Gillingham fan. That's when when they ask a, a player, what was the worst day out you ever had? And he alludes to you in his autobiography as being as giving him more grief than anyone he'd ever met in his playing career. That's what you've got to aim for. Okay, I shall. Well, I mean, sadly, I don't get the opportunity to be pitch side too often, which is a great waste, I think. I think football generally would be uh, a more gladiatorial sport if Chidge was always allowed to be at the front row within earshot of the players. I think it would certainly Maybe make a big difference. Maybe you could get a job as a steward. Not the, last the very long, I suspect. fluorescent coat would become you, I think. I don't know about that. He'd but, be facing uh, yeah. the crowd, though, all the time. He'd be facing the crowd oh. all the time, wouldn't he? What, like they do at Anfield? Because they're all on the season ticket waiting list. Yeah, <laughs> they told I mean, us exactly. that. Enough, that enough, enough. I, I don't want to talk about stewards or, or, or high-visibility <laughs> jackets. Um, can I make what I'd like to talk point? about with you, Jonathan, Jonathan, can, what I'd like to talk to make... you about is okay. is a high-visibility Fabregas, who, when he came on, I thought... Phenomenal. You know, he really... He, he livened things up, didn't he? He was phenomenal. Quite remarkable. In fact, with the first moment he got the ball, when he got into the... Uh, he was he beat a player on the t- on the on the touchline, and he should have just laced it into the roof of the net, and uh, and he didn't. He he crossed it for um, um, for Alonso, uh, who was herring into the uh, into the penalty area. But um, oh, he was absolute. He was he was about fifty um, percent more energetic than he normally is. And I think the advantage mm-hmm. of having him on the sub bench, um, and when he does come on, he's he's got to prove a point. And last year, people came on and nobody bothered to prove a point when they were substitutes, when they came on as substitutes. This year, you can see that they're all working so well together as a team that he knows what he's got to do. And he, 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 he gave a completely different uh, option to William, who was, was OK. He wasn't as good as he, as he has been the other day. He was better. Um, but no, it, I, I thought Fabregas was absolutely uh, superb. Now, just to make a quick point, which was that I, I felt that... Um, the Palace have actually scored more goals. There's a second highest scoring team in the in the division, other than um, even though they're not doing very well from a points aspect. And I thought we completely contained them. And I think they're a good side, as um, uh, as was just being said. I think they're a really good side uh, who just a bit unfortunate. Whereas Sunderland uh, during the week are terrible and just gave the ball away all the time. And that was why it was so such, such a great save from Courtois. Ultimately, I'm sure you're going to get onto this later. But uh, yeah, but um, but Fabregas was. Uh, was was just uh, uh, in a perpetual motion. I thought I, I, he wasn't given a on match of the day. They didn't really mention much of him coming on and, and changing no. the game. But I felt it went up a it went up a notch. The whole thing went up a notch. And his those those huge passes he was playing. He's spraying from the back. He is really a, a, a bloke of great vision. And it 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 when the when the teams are tiring, he is really the man to bring on. I mean, it's it's awful to say he might end up as a as a perpetual substitute. But I'm not convinced that he works from the very beginning. Because it gives him another option, and when the teams have been ground down a bit, he, he suddenly you've got this creative player um, spraying the ball all over the place and making very good runs into the penalty area as well. He's, he seems to be playing slightly further forward than he normally does. I, I'm, I was just immensely impressed. I, I made a little yeah. note to mention he was just phenomenal. Yeah, well, I mean, phenomenal as, as it happens, as it happens, mate, I'm going to I'm going to talk more about Fabregas. I think uh, in, when we talk about Sunderland in in part three, but. I couldn't agree more with that, and I and I, I felt that not only not only did I mean we just looked like we had more energy because I thought we looked quite tired in the first half actually, and I think you know maybe the midweek game had taken its toll a bit, but uh, we just had more energy, and I it, it was not just the forward momentum that he gave us and and that ability to to find a much better pass. I just felt we kept the ball better as well in the second half. But anyway, moving on, Tony, I have got a question for you really. Um, 
you know, okay, we we keep winning one nil, and we, we, the theme seems to have been from a lot of us, you know, is a mix between well, I'm not feeling too bothered about that, or I'm a bit nervous about that. Um, the reality is, mate, um, you know, is digging out one nil wins what you need to win titles, or should we be better at killing teams off? Well, it worked when it worked pretty well for Jose, didn't it? In um, yeah. you know, the first two years, uh, we became. Uh, almost ironically singing, you know, 1-0 to the Chelsea. And, and you could argue for the second half of the season, you know, where we won the champion, where we won the title a couple of years ago, um, after the, was it the Spurs game, I think, when we were playing lovely, beautiful, flowing football in Swansea. And then suddenly, um, I think the Spurs game, you know, where we lost, was it 5-3, I think? Um, uh, and, you know, it was a regression to the mean, as we like to, to say. To be honest, though, here. Leicester did it last season as well, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Absolutely. And and I think there's there's something to be said about that because um, I don't want to go back to sort of Jose all the time, but he had this big thing about resting off the ball, um, you know, which, I, you know, it can either light your candle or it can drive you mental when you're just constantly seemingly to be sitting back. This doesn't appear to be the case with, with, with Conti. And he seems to be... Um, able to you know we're keeping the ball we're playing good football i think we've been bloody unlucky in some of these not to win by more than one goal mm, we've had yeah. we've had yeah, how many times chidge go back and, and actually all three of you go back just the last five or ten years and how many goalkeepers suddenly work, start wearing their pants outside their their, their their trousers or whatever the minute they come up against us and we've had some of that as well that, that sunderland keeper pulled off a couple of saves you're just thinking yeah. you know what have we got to do uh, Alonso on Saturday, half an inch, half an inch. And that's what yeah. that is a cracking free kick. You know, so I think that we've been unlucky. But, you know, ultimately, um, there's a famous saying um, from Lee Trevino when he's talking about luck. Um, and he said, yeah, the more I practice, the luckier I get. Yeah. Um, and I think there's something in that with us. This is no longer, you alluded to this, no longer being fearful at 1 0. Um, and look at the two games we've come back in. You know, that last season, I would have been tearing my ticket up and going, well, we'll go down, we've, that's it, we've had it now. Um, this season, there's some spirit, there's some fight in there. And I think digging out 1-0 wins, if that's what it takes, um, I'm, I'll, I'll take that every day, every day. You, you know what, mate? I, I love what you just said there. I want, want to pick something up on that because I, I talked to Kerry about that in the preview show uh, on Friday, but I, I said much the same thing actually. That you know, normally I, I, you know, like like all of us, I think of a certain generation, we we do tend to get a bit wobbly and nervous about things. But I, I feel with the team at the moment um, is that if they don't score in the first half or if they go go a goal behind, there's enough confidence in that team at the moment. They just believe that they are going to score if it's nil nil, or they are going to get one back and then get a winner. You know, even if it takes them to the ninety-third minute, but they they have that belief in themselves at the moment that seems to override all fears. Now, rather than let you answer me on that one, we have to move on for our, our first break. Uh, but after which, uh, we'll be discussing the secret. In fact, actually, this relates to really what we're saying. I think, but we uh, we'll be discussing the secret to Conte's success, and uh, we'll be asking what we're going to do uh, without Costa and Kante for the next match. Arguably, our two most influential players. And we come to praise Caesar, not to bury him. I thought Jonathan might like that phraseology. And uh, we will celebrate being top of the Christmas tree. We'll see you in a minute, darlings. The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions. 
I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Okay, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast. Uh, now, uh, before uh, before the break, we were talking about um, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, I know Chelsea versus Palace. That'd be the one. But no, we were talking really about um, the, the the wonderful sense of confidence that seems to have built, been built up by the team. And uh, my suspicion, like uh, everybody I suspect who is joining me on the show tonight, will be that it has something to do with a certain a certain Italian by the name of Antonio. But before we talk a little bit more about that. Uh, allow me, allow me the indulgence to uh, plug the wonderful, wonderful uh, Kerry Dixon preview show, which I am truly honoured uh, to do with the great man every week. Uh, I, you know, it, it it varies when it goes out, but I hope to always get it out by at the latest a Friday, uh, and you can download it via Acast, iTunes, and SoundCloud. And basically, Kerry and I. We'll always preview the next uh, Chelsea match coming up. Um, but, of course, last week we had the opportunity to talk about the Sunderland match, which we're also going to be doing later in the show. But, I mean, the, the thing that occurred to me, because, you know, for, for various reasons, Kerry and I were busy this week, so we didn't get to do it until quite late on Friday. And I'd been seeing lots of tweets from people going on about, oh, I'm off to my Christmas party, I'm going to get really pissed up, it's going to be great. And, of course, you know, I, I don't I don't work for a company, so I don't have a... Christmas party. This is where the violins I'm going to edit in, but you know I don't have a Christmas party. And then I, then I thought, you know what? You're all going out for a Christmas party, and I'm talking to Kerry Dixon for half an hour. I know what I'd rather be doing. Anyway, um, please listen to it because uh, it's it's what what Jonathan what 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 would you rather be talking to Kerry at a Christmas party? Oh, he's got well, I have. Mm, well, I, I have also been lucky enough. Uh, I did uh, go to a. This is a while back, actually, in, uh, when in in the World Cup, Kerry hosted a one of those kind of do's that they have where people go and have a big meal and drink lots. And uh, Kerry is the guy that's doing the punditry, and it was for the England USA match, which kind of dates it. And I kind of sidled up to Kerry after after the the, the official bits and said, "Can I buy you a, a pint, Kerry?" And and I said, "You you won't remember me, but kind of conversation." And I had met him and had a few drinks with him before, but it was clear that he didn't really remember me. Uh, anyway, one pint led to many, and basically, I, it was just me well, and I Kerry. I don't at like the bar, where this really. story is going. Yeah, well, well, basically, <laughs> it was just me and Kerry. In other words, yeah. there were other people trying to join in, but we were clearly having a laugh, and he did kind of remember who I was by the end of it. Uh, but uh, yes, yeah, so basically, it ended. And I have told this story before, so this is nothing new. But it did very much end up with two very drunk men. One of them was me, and the other Kerry embracing going, I love you Kerry I love you Chidge and being separated by their respective partners and being taken home um, oh it's it like a bromance it was a real bromance so there you go so please listen to the Kerry Dixon show it is a cracker um and uh you know hopefully it's it's good and helpful for Kerry we want to we want to we want to get him back uh into the fold of Chelsea so there we go and hopefully this will help now the other thing that will help of course is to buy his wonderful biography which is called Kerry Dixon up front and it is available for about 15 quid on Amazon and all good uh, booksellers. So enough of that. On with the show. There's a lad here who's just tweeted. It's Chance07, not tweeted, he's mixelered. Uh, he says, first time listening live for me, all the way from Oklahoma. Uh, Q Jonathan, show tune. Oklahoma, where the things turn, 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 turn. 
That's right. Or 24 like, hours from that Tulsa. That was like Steptoe does Oklahoma. <laughs> We're only 24, 24 hours from Tulsa. <laughs> only one step away from her arms. <laughs> you see, you don't you don't chance you don't get this on any other podcast, mate. Uh, you know. So anyway, welcome, and it's glad, I'm really lovely to have you here. Like, should we talk about? We've only waffled on for four minutes without talking about anything about football. But so, Alex, um, you yes. know, uh, I've entitled this bit uh, Antonio, 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 Antonio. Wasn't it lovely to be? I mean, for me, because I don't get to many but he away danced games. Along you know. with us. He did, so but you know, uh, th- there was there was a real. I mean, talk about bromance uh, with me and Kerry a minute ago. But uh, th- there's a real relationship being established between the supporters and and Antonio Conte. And that, I thought at the end of the match that was lovely. But he then went on in the press conference to say, "I, I dedicate that win to the supporters because they're fantastic." It, there's something really special uh, developing. Can I sum here, it up think? in four words? Yes. He gives a shit. He That's does, what it is. He, <laughs> he does. gives this shit. After last year, with all of the drama and all of the the squealing from Jose and who I just referred to as he who will not be named on the blog, but after all of that and just just have you know, a you know I have the copyright on that. You know I have the copyright on that, Alex. On what? Well, he on, after after J- J.K. Rowling, obviously, but you know. If <laughs> if I buy you a pint, will you let me use it? Yes. Done. Okay. So anyway, yeah, Antonio gives a shit. Um, I think what it is, I think, for us to have after ten years and God knows how many managers, to just have a bloke in charge who just likes being a football manager and appears to be quite good at it. Here, here. And is quite fit. Here, here. He looks good in a pair of budgie smugglers. How do you know that? Daily Mail can always rely on the Daily Mail for a bit of yeah, man whore, slut, budgie smuggling action. He has They'll go in, anywhere with the camera. Yeah, he's been in the sidebar of shame a few times, um, pictured, um, and because he, you know, I'm, I'm as straight as they come, um, and he's quite buff. I feel a butt coming on here, Tony. He's. Did you know um, what? He's one of. It's. It's kind <laughs> of like the whole John Terry thing in that I think the male Chelsea fans love him almost enough to say. Yeah, I would. You know, if I I'd had hope to, I would. If I, yeah, and if I was, <laughs> if I was banged up in Wormwood Scrubs, I'd want him to be my cellmate. There you go. Okay. That's what it okay. is. Okay. No, but I, I honestly do think it is that his enthusiasm is infectious. His passion is infectious. He has. I, I do think that all of the jumping round and the the screaming and shouting on the touchline is quite amusing. But I think it kind of detracts from just how bright he must. be be to have turned an entire squad of slightly dumpy, whinging pains in the arse that we had last season into a team that can't be touched at the moment. That's not all about being enthusiastic and putting your arm around the players and them liking you. That's There's a lot more to it than that. Well, I think there is, actually. Sorry, go on, Jonathan. Go on, mate. Hang Hang on, go on. He just comes across as—he comes across as a really sweet man as well. Yeah, I have met him, and he really was. He's very sweet. Yeah, which I think—I think is—it I think it means that he, there's no appears to be no side to him. You don't no. get people. He doesn't whinge about things either. No, you don't he's just a—he's just. He's a, hang on, Alex. Hang on. Let him finish. 
I'd say the opposition fans then don't dislike him, which yeah. is always the case with Jose, you know, with all that. But Jose loved, Jose loved that kind of contentious um, how amazing politics. is it not to have this this us oh. and them being cultivated? Well, we're, we're gonna, I, I want to talk. Oh, wait, time out. We, I want to talk shh. about that later because that's gonna. Yeah, shh. That's gonna Shut come. Up, in. But you're right, Alex. We we were very lucky because we met him at the same time, didn't we? And he he he's a yeah. genuinely lovely person. Listen, there is something else. I mean, you know, there are two things here. I think you know. Let's be really honest, guys. Let's not be under any illusion. It's very nice to love somebody. Very easy to love somebody. You know, when they're winning you football matches all the time and well, they've turned it around so comprehensively as he has. But I, I actually think uh, there is something else going on here. And I, I, there was a wonderful article. Uh, forgive me, I can't. I might have been Sam Wallace, actually, in The Telegraph. But anyway, I forget who it was by, but it was a cracker. Sure, it, it wasn't Oliver Holt. Definitely <laughs> wasn't. I, I refuse to read anything by Oliver Holt on principle. The, he, looks like, he, looks like the, he looks like the gerbil that uh, inhabited uh, Richard Gere's rear end. That's all I can Is say about Is he still Oliver wearing Hull. that hairband? No. Enough. I, well, I refuse to talk about Oliver Hull. He's banned. He's, if he can block me, I can ban him from talking about him on this show. The point I want to make is this, is that basically, uh, uh, you know, it was basically saying that he made a personal appearance at the staff party. Now, this is the Chelsea Christmas party just for the staff. So... Everybody who works there in, in, you know, in, in various capacities, some of them I would imagine quite menial. Now, he is the first. He, normally, the managers send a video message to say, um, you know, well, you've all done a very good job, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he's the first manager to act. And, he, you know, he had done a video message, but he still turned up and made a personal appearance. He stayed for two hours, damn near talked to everybody. And apparently he's the first Chelsea manager since uh, Carlo Ancelotti. <laughs> to go to that party and I thought well that's no coincidence is it and there is something of Carlo Ancelotti about this chap I think there really is now the other thing that's an adjunct to this which they also mentioned in the in the article was that he 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 got a real sense at the beginning of the season that a lot of the stink from last season and the cliques with the players had had festered into this season and he put a stop to it, and one of the ha ways he did this was that, that he basically arranged, this, this really made me chuckle in a way, but apparently they all go on little player supper clubs at Nobu together, where they've grown to love each other, and I just thought, well, that's a really nice touch. Jonathan, what do you think about that approach? It, it, it is a bit redolent of Ancelotti, isn't it? There's a, there's a niceness and a humility and a humanity about this guy, isn't there? You wonder whether it's an Italian thing, whether that's specific to uh, family, mate, La Familia. Family. Absolutely, absolutely. Whether it's something to do with that, um, it's uh, it's fantastic psychology, isn't it? But it, I, I don't think he's the kind of person who would think, "Oh, I must do this because it will work." I think it comes, you know, I'm not genuine. Would possibly know, but it seems it seems to be very genuine. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he. Uh, I read that article as well about him uh, actually attending in person. And um, I think what, what he was trying to do as well was because it's 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 both Cobham and Stamford Bridge and they don't tend to mingle very much. And I think he was very keen to to get both sides to uh, to get to know each other better. So he was kind of the cement to do that and introduce people to each other because he sees sees both lots of people. So he was being he was being very clever, but at the same time, he was being very altruistic. So, uh, uh, you know, it works on, on many levels. I mean, I, I, I'm intrigued by the fact that um, look, I think Klopp's a really nice guy as well. He comes across as being an intelligent, nice guy. Um, oh, but have a wash. 
yeah, there's a touch of that. Yeah, but um, yeah, touch of beardy man. But but I interestingly, hey, hey, oh, I've got a beard. Uh, yeah, but yours is, uh, yours is very very yours is very very trimmed and uh, and and well. You don't look like a homeless person. No, you don't. You don't. Thank you. But I, there's an element of the hippie about uh, about Klopp. But but it, but what I was going to say was that I honestly think that if the manager comes across as being a bright bloke and and and, and after football man and not sort of whingy like Wenger or or just just generally um, uh, uh, confrontational you your attitude towards the team change their, their team changes a bit and uh, and I'm very pleased it is, it's an element of giving them no ammunition isn't there yeah absolutely right absolutely right and uh, it, it means that um, as a consequence the team is viewed um, the team is viewed more nicely. There isn't the same animosity towards the team yeah. as there is when you've got a very contentious manager. I mean, yeah. Ranieri is an example as well, actually, because yeah. uh, everybody sees him as such dilly a sweet ding, bloke. Yeah. Which, just to yeah. mention Tony, one you... more time, that is going to blow the mind of people like Oliver Holt, who've got so much joy out of bashing us, isn't it? Yeah, well, and and, yeah. and many yeah. others in their wake, Alex. You... Tony, you 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 looked about you you looked so you're about to want to say something. I think I, I, it was just sort of carrying on from both Alex you know Alex did it in four words and I was going to do it in three which were just three words he gets it he's he's yes. he seems to have got himself into the club now a young a much younger Jose Mourinho came in and from top to bottom changed the whole mentality of the club back in 2004 and mm. you know it was well well documented at the time and the tea ladies knew his name and he would say hello and all this um, and basically, as much as I love him, it was years before he turned into this rather sour-faced, um, angry old man, you know. Um, and Conti's gone in, and, and you just get this impression that he's done this. He gets us, he gets the fans, he gets the club, he gets everything about it. It's almost like his first few months, when, when we were still playing the old system and we were you know, trying players out, it was like he was kind of infusing himself with Chelsea. Um, for want of a better description, I'm not very good at cooking, like but you know what bag. I mean. Yes, like a tea bag. Like, yes, indeed, indeed. And he's 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 got everything about the club. Now, I used to quite like the nobody likes us, we don't care. You know, Joe say the fortress mentality and all this sort of stuff. Okay, um, uh, but it got tiresome last year. He is tiring, isn't it? And it, it exhausts the fans, Alex. I think, you, you know, we'll all agree on that. You're getting a little bit sick of being battered in the press. The, the, the journos will dig up any old shit they can, you know, mm. post-truth, before post-truth became a thing or whatever. Um, and in Conti's case, I love, I love watching him after the game. Even after we'd got done pretty dramatically by Arsenal, he comes out. He's polite. He's uh, uh, humble. Okay, there's there's an angry man in there, I'm sure somewhere. But yeah. what he what he portrays, and you know, I hate to go on about the, the kind of the, the the image of Chelsea, but he makes us look good. And and I think someone's just he said does. on that that people are saying they've, they've even started to vaguely like Chelsea now, or vaguely <laughs> hate us less, whichever way you want to look at it. And I put that down to him. He's the figurehead of the club. Yeah. He literally gives them nothing to latch onto, does he? Absolutely. Apart it's, from the budgie smugglers, which is kind of small, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, well, and yeah. the hair. <laughs> yes, and indeed. the hair as well. And the hair, but you know what? If he's got, I couldn't care. Syrup. He looks good. Yeah, he looks good. <laughs> All it's right. Weak, okay. I think it's, it's all, it's all pretty. Cl- 
Yes, indeed. Well, it's all pretty clear. I think we, we no no love have what is it? No love hath greater man than Antonio Conte for Arsenal at the moment. Now, look, we need to talk about some some kind of serious football uh, for a few minutes, really, because of course, if there was a downside uh, to uh, to Saturday, I'm afraid it was the fact that both Costa and Kante got booked. Now, I didn't realise myself that Kante was on on uh, you know on four yellows cards, and of course, this this means that. Uh, arguably our, our two most influential players this season are both out of action against Bournemouth. Uh, all of us are very conscious of the fact that Chelsea, you know, have a proclivity to slip up on Boxing Day and around the Christmas fixtures. And we've now got 11 wins, so we've matched our, our, our winning run record. And boy, would it be nice to make it go one further. In fact, you know, I'm, I'm eyeing up Leicester for, the, for 15 wins uh, out of 15, which would break Arsenal's record and that would be delightful to wind those <laughs> muppets up um so the the bottom line is I mean you know how worried are we I mean there's there's a lot of questions in this I mean how worried are we going to be uh who's the bigger miss Costa or Kante and then we can talk about um who will come in for them but I mean uh, Jonathan first of all how how big a worry is it for you well I, I Bournemouth are, are pretty good he's a he, he because the, the advantage we've got with them is they do they don't uh, they won't do what um uh, any of Sunderland Palace or West Brom did, which to which is just to sit back and uh, try and copy us completely. I don't think I don't think Howe will have them playing that way. They seem to play very much on the front foot all the time, um, Bournemouth. So I think there'll be many opportunities for us to uh, to to get them on the counter. Um, and I also think that he keeps talking about. I, I keep saying this. He keeps talking about um, working with the on the athleticism of the side. I think we're a very very fit team. And I think we just managed to keep going all the all the way through. For as you were saying, I think we know we can keep going for more than ninety minutes. Um, but I'm I'm worried by um, by not having Costa, Costa playing, um, who is playing out of his skin and is absolutely wonderful. Because I don't think Batshuayi is uh, is a quarter of the player that uh, Costa is. Yeah. But it's a question of how whether they this week um, try to use him in the system more. Um, uh, he's got a very very good shot on him, and he turns very well and uh, to shoot. I, I, the, the recent game I saw him in was the the under twenty one game, which they televised on Ch- on Chelsea on the Chelsea TV channel. And uh, um, you know, he, if you're giving opportunity, as we've seen the few times he played, he played earlier on in the season. He's got a you know he, he's got a very good shot on him, but he, he I don't think he, he he doesn't run as well as Costa. He doesn't run into the uh, uh, into the holes as well as he does. He's not as and he's he's not as good a dribbler. Um, Jonathan, that, Jonathan, on that, yeah. on, Jonathan, on that, on that point, yeah. you're, you're spot on, and you would have seen this if you were standing where I was on, on Saturday. There was a uh, when Batshuayi came on, uh, Fabregas, uh, you know, got the ball out on the right where we were, and uh, Batshuayi went straight, made a run straight down the middle when actually he should have made a run out to the right, and and yeah. it absolutely screwed up that what was potentially a very very good move and I, and I said to Buncey who, who who I was standing next to I said there you go there's the difference between Costa and and Batshuayi you know Costa knows where to move for the ball he just reads the game very very well and I, you know Batshuayi's a young kid it's an he's an experience he'll learn but I, I for me in that one moment it marked that that difference between the two of them out. We have to be very, very disciplined in the Bournemouth game accordingly because the goals, and I don't think, will be coming from that area. I think the others are going to have to work particularly hard, particularly with, with Kante not playing, who is, you know, with that, the cliche about him that he's worth two players. 
is absolutely true. I thought he was great against Palace. I think he's been great every every game, Kante. Um, completely mm. superb performer and a, and a superb purchase. I mean, my goodness me, they, they really did well there. Whoever it was that bought him did fantastically. But no, I, I see a struggling. It's going to be it's going to be hard work. I think they've all been hard work, to be fair. And I, so why, yeah, why yeah. on earth should this yeah, be any true. different? I mean, I'll tell you what, I think what, what comes out of what you're saying, and I think you're absolutely spot on. I mean, the bottom line is Batch UI is going to come in for Costa. There is there is no other option, really. So actually, the question really boils down to, to who comes in for Conte, doesn't it, Alex? I mean, you know, the way I see it, there's a few, there's a few choices here. I mean, either you play Matic and Fabregas together, which suddenly gives me cold shivers from remembering what it was like last season. But there is a choice. I mean, we could bring in Chaloba for Kante and play Matic at Chaloba, or you could play Chaloba and Fabregas. So there are more options in terms of who comes in, but it's not clear-cut, is it? I mean, so I mean, you think Fabregas will come in with Matic, do you? I think I honestly think that's as certain as Michi coming in for Costa. Honestly, and I know I start to quake as well at the thought of Matic and Fabregas together in front of the defenders. But I'd, I'm I'm quite confident about that pairing in a home game against Bournemouth. I think because because of how good Fabregas was against City, because none of us would have chosen um, to have Fabregas playing in City because it's too attacking, isn't it? To have Instead yeah. of having Kante and Matic, we wouldn't have picked it. And he actually proved us all wrong in one game and said, I can actually do this job if I have to. Um, I, I'm tempted to say with both of them, with Kante and with Costa, in that they can't play every single game over this. And this is the best one for them to miss, I think. If we are going to win the league, then we have to have someone other than Costa. I mean, against West Brom. We only won that game because Costa decided he'd had enough. Costa went above and beyond to win the ball and get it in the box, and Costa put it in the back of the ball, the ball in the back of the net because he'd had enough. He'd had enough of the time wasting and the faffing around, and other players have got to do their share of that as well throughout the course of the season if you're going to win the league. And I think both of them have earned a rest. I think there may even have been an element of making sure that they missed this game and not Spurs and not Stoke, who are going to be a lot more, they're just going to be bullies, I think. And I do I do think if we have to sacrifice them for one game, then possibly this was the best one for it. And that the others, are, and yes, it terrifies me in a way, but the others are just going to have to step up. Here, here. Tony, what, what do you reckon, agree. mate? I mean, why, why, not, why not Chaloba instead of, uh, I mean, you know, why not Chaloba, period, Tony? Yeah, I'm... Um... I, I think Fabregas has earned his start. Mm. Um, I, I think he's done more than enough uh, uh, to to be a bit cliched about it. He's found his hat, hasn't he? Um, he has. <laughs> and, and it was very clear that the the fans, including you, I assume, Chidge, um, thought so as well, because that was, that came roaring through on the television was the uh, Magic Hat song. Yeah. Um, mm. And I think, you know, as good as Chalabar is, and out of all of the youngsters... They've been given a shot. Chalabar is the one that gives Absolutely. me the most hope. Okay. Can I just say that every time he's been brought on, whatever job he's been given to do, whether it's help us turn it around, whether it's just sit in front of the defenders, whether it's just go wherever you have to do to stop that player from getting through, yeah, he has exactly. done everything that has been asked of him without any fuss, without any cocking it up. And his attitude as well, when you... I think certain others may have been getting a little bit too big. For Indeed. Them. That's why we haven't seen them mentioning no names. Um, but Chalaba has just been an absolute example. And I honestly think that Victor Moses 
this season has left every youth player we've got thinking no matter how many times I go out on loan, no matter where they send me, there is a door into the first team if I earn it. That has been outstanding for us that Moses has done it after three or four loan spells out has shown that if you come back and you prove that you've got what it takes you will get in the team under Conte and I just think people like Chalaba now and the others that should seize on it like he is doing can really make a name for themselves so I, I, I completely agree and I think you know the fact is you have now got somebody that is willing to give you that you know, chance to get through the door. Um, he's, you know, this we, we talked about content before, but whatever he's done with the players is more than Alex said. Is as she said, it's more than just putting an arm around them. And I think Chalabar, I would be comfortable if Chalabar started. I really would be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it was Fabregas coming off the bench Alex again. If you're going to have to make that change, you know. And I do think that with, um, you know, either way, if Fabregas is knackered after 65 minutes, Chalabar coming in, he's going to lift the crowd again. Um, you know, we, we we were beaten by Bournemouth last year. I thought unfairly we were slaughtered a little bit because I thought we did play pretty well. We were mugged off a bit um, and Hazard, despite what everybody said, he must, he, he must have put 20 balls into that box to find absolutely <laughs> nobody there last year. Mm. Um, but Alex made a really good point. Um, without Kante, who I think is a massive miss, and, and without Costa, some of the other players now need to step up and say, um, and be a bit um, selfish. Yeah, because yeah. how many times, we if there's one criticism I've got at the moment, it's that we can be a bit Arsenal-like with the fucking passing of, oh, excuse my pledge, <laughs> but you know, it, after the, I call it the after you mentality. Oh, you have a go, no, you have a go. No, come on, let's let's serve up some um, a, a, a strain of football that's a bit like a MasterChef plate of food, you know, utter bollocks yeah. really, with, yeah, and you'd want to go down to Kentucky afterwards and, and fill up properly. It's that kind of mentality. And I think... You know, I'm not worried about Bournemouth at all. Sorry, for Beachy as well, is we haven't got a European run. Um, We went out before we should have against that shower of crap at the Olympic Stadium. Um, And he's got to take his chances and he's got to show that he does belong. And this is one of those days against Bournemouth. You, you, You haven't got any time to ease your way in. The way we're playing now, you get one chance and you've got to take it, like Chalaba's doing, basically. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. also think he needs to do it, otherwise there'll be a new striker in at Chris uh, at January who will take his place. Absolutely. Can I Can I just stop? Cause a no, because you're going to go for a break. No, you can't. Bored. You can't. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> we're going for a, break. a little Chelsea fan has just been born. To a season ticket holder, has just become a dad for the first time from the Matthew Harding lower. Baby Barkley, welcome to the world. Your dad's already decided you're going to have the number 26 shirt for Chelsea. (laughs) Fair enough. All right. We are going to a break. uh, And afterwards, uh, we're going to talk. Well, we're going to look back at the Sutherland match, actually. And uh, and, uh, we will talk about Fabricus, actually, because we'll pick up some of the points you made there. But we'll also talk about... um, you know, how much we may or may not have warmed to uh, Courtois. And we'll also be seeing if we can get uh, Jonathan something for his cough, because he sounds ill. Are you okay, mate? I'm okay, thank you. He's okay. He's struggling on manfully. All right, we'll see you in a sec. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft, inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? 
Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all... No more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Ginge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast. And uh, we're already in part three. I don't know how that happened, but there you go. Um, I've got the wonderful Tony Glover with me. Evening. And I have got the. Uh, well, slightly croaky, but also, but as always, ever so lovable, Jonathan Kidd. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> and uh, I have the erudite and also somewhat feisty Alex Churchill. I was going to go with sweary, but feisty will do. Hello. No, no, I think you, you've been quite well behaved <laughs> on the swearing front. Uh, so there we go. Now, um, this is a kind of a, a really a look back at... Um, you know the match against Sunderland, but I mean I've kind of done a lot of that to death in the in the in the Kerry show last Friday. But there's a couple of th- few points that, that 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 got raised in that, which I wouldn't wouldn't mind covering with you lot really. Um, and and the first thing, I mean, we've touched on this a little bit about Fabregas, and in, in, certainly in terms of uh, you know whether he deserves a starting place or not. And 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 I think just to just to start with that and finish off really what we were talking about. Um, you know the, the the way I look at it, and amazingly enough, Kerry agreed with me on this. He doesn't tend to, but he did on, agree on this point. But you know, my feeling was something which we've all really spoken about tonight, which is, you know, if we're playing against uh, a team that's absolutely determined uh, to do nothing but defend, um, then it, it it you know it, I think that's the kind of game you want Fabregas starting because he's gonna. You know, he he can pick out that pass that nobody else in the side seems to be able to do, and he can unlock the defences by doing that. But if you start him against a, a really decent side that's going to press us and attack us and and what have you, then you know we 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 might see the Fabregas that that I knew and loved last year, one which was totally bypassed by the opposition, who ran through him and passed him as if he wasn't there, which I think leaves us 
slightly vulnerable in defence. So I think really what we're talking with, about with Fabregas in terms of whether he starts or not is, is more horses for courses. And I think, Jonathan, you picked up on this point brilliantly earlier on by saying, well, maybe not start him, but bring him on. And I, and I mean, against Palace, that absolutely uh, was there for all to see, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, completely. It's like a kind of shock player, isn't he? Because he's, uh, and particularly if he has the attitude he had against Palace, which he was unbelievably energetic. I just wanted to throw something else as well. Do you think that he would ever, ever play, um, uh, bring Willian on instead of Chalabar in the next game? And so you have, and Pedro, so you'd actually have the extra winger playing the kind of midfield and instead of, mm. you know, instead of Kante, um, um, whether that's just, you know, one, one winger too far, one, 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 sprightly midfielder too far um but yeah but just at the moment speak of fabregas i i'm i you know as has been said he 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 played very well against city all the way through but um uh you know do we know how much uh conte actually looks at the opposition you know will he will he have looked at bournemouth and worked out the kind of pattern that he thinks we need to play against them even though we're playing three four three um Will he will he work out that certain players need to try and nullify some of their players? I don't I don't quite know how he works tactically that way because he's clearly a very a very good tactician. I mean an excellent tactician. Um, it's not just three four three. He seems to change patterns and formations as the game goes on. Um, but you may find that uh, you may find it's the opposite. He starts with Fabregas and then brings uh, somebody else on, brings Pedro in in the, on in the second half yeah. or something to be more energetic. I was going to say I think as just get sort of alluding to what Jonathan just said there. One one thing I think Conte will have is a plan B. Um, you know, so irrespective of whether he, I I think he probably does do the usual. Let's look at the opposition, or whatever. But I think he'll have one. You know, I actually think he'll have plan A, B, and C ready for Bournemouth. He seems to have had it for every team we've played mm-hmm. in the last eleven games. Um, you know, not least of all because. One nil down against City, and even I was sitting there thinking, "Oh, here we go." You know, we've come up against whatever, um, and you know, it, it, the team—it's this team belief thing as well, I think. And I, I think that um, he—he he didn't get a proper preseason in the sense that he was still with the Euros. And I think he's—I said this in the last fan cast, I think as well. It's, you know, we've got a week between games most of the time now at the moment, yeah. Um, and it's almost like he's using that week as his pre-season to try stuff out and see where it's going. Mm, and I that's like a good it. point, mate. Yeah. yeah, Alex, what do you reckon? Um, I completely forgot what we were talking about. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, fa- exactly. Uh, yeah. I really do think the Bournemouth game is one where he could start and could do really well. And I just keep going back to. I, my estimation of Fabregas has completely exploded since Man City, which I thought was not a game suited for him, bearing in mind the other personnel we had and the fact that Matic wasn't fit, and he proved me wrong. So mm. hopefully he will do it again. But I, just, I think up. there's games where he'd be great He's to start up. and games where it would be best to keep him on the bench, and it's just whether his ego can live mm. with that. So you're you're kind of with me. You're well. I mean, you're you're kind of with me on the whole horses for courses approach. I mean, one of the things he doesn't start every game if he's fit. It depends who the opposition is for me. Well, that's that's what that's kind of what I meant, Jonathan. You you're about to come in with something. Uh, Yeah, no, it was what the point um, that I was just echoing what was being said. Um, Can we just we we didn't speak about um, very briefly about uh, um, Dave. Who uh, has been? No, can we can we do that later? I'm gonna phenomenal. do. I'm gonna do it in this part. I'm gonna do it in this part. 
I thought no, no, don't worry. I, I've stored it for later, but we ran out of time because there later, are people okay, on this no podcast that were talking too much, i.e. <laughs> no all problem. you three. But at the end of the day, that's kind of why you're here. So I, I love it and I embrace it. I, this is no criticism. Uh, but don't worry, JK, I have stored that away because I think it's a, I'd love to make that point. Um, I'll tell you yeah. what I was going to say, mate, and that was this. You know, I, I'm well known for being a bit, bit shitty about Fabregas last year, you know, and that's my I'm, I'm entitled to do that. Um, but one one of the things I've been really surprised by, and and from you know I, I don't know if it's true or not because we're not there, but this is what I pick up from the media and stuff. But there seems to be a sense that that Fabregas has uh, against type, if you believe everything that Dan Levine says, has quite happily adapted to to being a squad player, has not thrown his toys out of the pram, but has knuckled down and and is playing for the team, not himself, which. I'd say, judging by the evidence of what we're seeing, is true, Jonathan. But, I mean, if that is the case, and I think it is, that's, that's excellent news, isn't it? But I also think he's, he's... Yeah, I agree completely, but I also think he's upped his game. I really do. I think he's trying to adapt to playing the, the, the speedy, two-touch type of performance that is required. And in the mm. same way that, in the, in the same way that, um, um, that David Luiz has upped his game. Um, because he yeah. has. David Luiz has been absolutely phenomenal. Um, and I, I think he's aided by the system because he, he, it's two touches and the ball's away. You know, it's, that, it's, that's the speed necessary. And I always felt that with, with him, if you give him three or four touches, he might lose the ball or, you know, he'll, mm. he'll, uh, he'll, he'll try and go, he'll dribble forward with it. If the, if the, the discipline, if the, the order is, no, no, a couple of touches, pass, a couple of touches, pass. And, and Fabregas has come up to, to scratch with that as well. So the, we, we, we tend, to have, tend to have this sort of belief that a player only plays a certain way, you know, and that he's creative and looks up and plays a bit like Perlo and, and, uh, and, and, and sprays the ball about a bit. But if you said to him, look, the only way you're going to stay in this team is you've got to up your work rate, mate. Well, he appears to have done that. You know, can so I just... I, I, I take my hat off. No, you can wait. <laughs> I was just going to say that potentially they were two players for whom this new system could have really screwed them over in terms of where they fit into things. I think you're absolutely right. Fabregas is proving that he can adapt. And I think obviously the other one is John Terry because I don't know that he fits into a back three when they all have to be able to shift. And I don't... have Having watched against West Ham, watched him playing in that, I know it was the only game we've seen, I think, with him in the back three. I it, don't it know. Didn't it didn't work. He got hung out to dry. And I, I think those are potentially the two players because there were going to be casualties. Yeah. If you're going to do something so drastic to the way we yeah, well, play... Let, let, you know special. what? Let, let's move on because otherwise we won't get to talk about Dave and Jonathan will be upset. Uh, but before also, we talk I'd about also, Dave... Sorry, one other thing. Do you want to talk like about to talk... Dave or not? No, no, no. The other thing I want to talk about, when we talk about Dave, I'd like to talk about Alonso as well, who I think needs to be discussed. Oh, we might not well. have time for Alonso. It's going to be Dave or Alonso, well, well, man. I'll just slip in a couple of sentences about him when we talk about Dave, all right? Okay. Well, you can try. You can try. <laughs> anyway, before, before, uh, before we talk about uh, Dave and indeed Oscar, somebody else I want to talk about, um, Tony, um, you know, again, another player who's, uh, you know, it's... I, <laughs> He's not everybody's cup of tea, I would, I would, I would venture to say. But um, there is no doubt that without the two world-class saves that Thibaut Courtois pulled off against uh, Sunderland, we wouldn't have been coming home with all three points, would we? No, and I'll go back to the days when you used to refer to him as Cortez, 
Um, where you that were. was a long time ago. I know it was, where you were fairly unsure. I remember the fuss that was made when Jose um, moved um, Big Pete aside um, for Thibaut. Um And I, th- I agree that last season, he his PR skills are just stank the place out, really. Um, but, you know, Even you don't... Well, even yeah, even this season. But then I, I always think that there's, you know, this is reported to us by people who are looking for a story. Mm. Um, and they're trying to lift and, and sell print and they're failing. OK. And so I take everything that's sort of said that Courtois said that um, it's, it's a matter of, of your own kind of translation of what he meant. Play author's advocate if you have to. Um, but, you know, just just try and take it with a pinch of salt. I think he's shown that you know with a good defense in front of him where he can be confident and where he can get back to a place where he's almost Schmeichel like in you know yelling at the defense and organizing his defense he is a bloody good goalkeeper and if we had sold him someone else would be snapping him up and we'd be looking going I say you know I mean I will always quote this to people who go about get rid of this player David Luiz same thing get shot of him he goes he comes back and everyone criticizes him and he's been fantastic and I think you know, credit where it's due. Um, Thibaut Courtois is our future. If we can keep him, if he carries on, um, you know, let's face it, two goals conceded in 11 games and one of them was a fucking own goal. <laughs> we won't it. keep him, I don't think. No, I, I, I get... I, I, I honestly think he'll be off as soon as he runs his contract down to Spain. Yeah, I, I suspect you're right. I well, hope we'll not. We'll see, we'll see. Who else is there? But no, I think, can in, I just say... In the, hang on a minute, hang on, hang on. It, John, Jonathan, in the in in the interim, though, you know, I, I, I well, I was going to say actually, just in riposte to what Alex said, I don't know if you you would concur with this, Jonathan. He was downright bloody miserable, wasn't he? But then so that so were they all last season. But he looks yes. so much happier now, and I mean I the way he celebrates he, our wins and stuff, Jonathan. Yes, Jonathan, he, he needs to, he needs to be loved. I get the impression mm. with him, and he feels loved yeah. because he was standing at the end of the Palace game. He was standing next to Conte clapping his heart out and everybody was shouting his name and you could yeah. see i don't love him i'm just gonna be Alex, controversial bloody can it i'll bring you in stop interrupting <laughs> no i i don't think we need to love him but we need you know it's, it's a nice name to shout out isn't it Tibo, Tibo, Tibo. but but, but <laughs> it, he 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 clearly feels part of a team he likes to be successful it's a bit shallow if you want but uh it's obviously an environment that he flourishes in and and he, the fact his name is shouted out a lot is because he's doing well. Has it has made him has made him into a happy bunny. Um, and Jonathan, I, I, I do, think, do you think? Do you think? Yeah. Do you think we've warmed to him then as fans? Because I mean, it's the first time I've re- I, well, not the first time, but I got a real sense that we're beginning to warm to him now in a way that we perhaps didn't last season. Well, I think it's because he's performing well, and he yeah. seems to be part we're of so the team. We're so fickle, and you know, and they, he <laughs> make, he makes a save, and all the players go and hug him. You know, you think actually they're all. They're all liking each other. It's all working wonderfully. And if you know, and if they start, uh, if they win everything, um, I don't think we'll we'll see him leaving. I don't think we'll see him wanting to leave. I think they'll we'll, they'll see a, a contract extension. Um, it, it, it's it, you know nothing succeeds like success. Yeah. You know, and he's going to well, nothing exceeds like excess in my case. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But no, I, I you know it it may be shallow, but um, he seems to flourish um, uh, with a good defence in front of him. So you know. Yeah. Yeah, Alex, you seem convinced he's going to bugger off. I mean, what what makes you say that? I just he's been loved since the beginning. 
even when he replaced Czech, everybody supported him, everybody shouted his name, and he wasn't happy, and he moaned, and I agree that it's the job of the people that write this stuff to make it interesting for their newspapers and websites, and I agree that you could see him stay if we start winning things, but I just I honestly think he'd rather be in Spain. It's For it to have come out that many times, and for it to be that widely spread, there has to be something in it, and I just I always say about him he's a fantastic shot stopper as like when it's instinct and he has to stop the ball going in the back of the net it's like we saw at Sunderland he's great and like you say yeah. anyone would want him when he's required to exercise his brain that's when the trouble starts I think it, it's easier under Conte because he seems to have been there are absolute rules like you'll never see him kick it out he will always play it out from the back because he's been told that's what he has to do but the second he has to start thinking and using his brain it's a potential clusterfuck mm, but in, okay. that's, a really, that's a really interesting point sorry sorry, sorry, sorry Jonathan go on no no I, 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 my contention as I've said before is I think that he's making this team work with what he's got and one must applaud him for that Conte but I still don't think this team will be the team that is in the Champions League next year I said that oh, no. I was on I think mm. it'll have about four different players in it and I think you may be right the the, the goalkeeper may be one of them that will go well, in the same way that I, I don't amazed. think that I don't think that Cahill's going to last and well, uh, I, well let's I not get let's not go down I'll let's hey whoa 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 hey whoa. Let's not go down that road just yet, Jonathan. But I would be no. amazed if Courtois not there next season. Listen, Tony, the final thing on, on Courtois that I'd like to wrap up on, so Jonathan and I can talk about our love for Dave, yes. um, is basically, uh, you know, the reality is, is that, you know, great keepers will earn you 10 points a season and they will win you titles. There is no doubt about that. And, you know, looking ahead, uh, you know, if we look at our rivals... Um, Liverpool have got two extremely dodgy keepers, which makes mm. me feel very confident that we will beat them in a title race. And Man City have got another dodgy keeper, which makes me feel Indeed. confident that we'll do them in a title race. You know, and this is what we've got with Courtois. So, whilst he has been a bit of a moany old big nose, um, there is a lot to warm to him about, is there not? Because he could help win us the title. Absolutely, and I think yeah, and we're going to run out of sort of timeless. But you've and your next point on your, your your lovely script was you know getting rid of Lollishon, who I hated. I hated him from the day he turned up at Chelsea Football Club um, to the day uh, he went, and good riddance. Um, and I think that as that could have played a part. There was patently uh, some palpable discord between Lollishon and, um, and and Courtois. And you're right. Um, when you look at the other keepers, I, I honestly think the only one that's close to Courtois in terms of um, ability in that is De Gea, who I think is possibly the best yeah. in Europe. I think he's a fantastic keeper. And yet he had a very dodgy first season. You know, bravo. I, I, a mystifying decision. Um, Joe Hart had his faults, but he was a bloody good shot stopper. Um, and you're right about Liverpool. Arsenal... You know, Peter Cech, again, we saw it at the weekend. We see, we see he's got a near post or a far post um, vulnerability. Um, we saw that in his last, I think, last yeah. few months or last year at Chelsea or whatever. So I think we're very lucky. And I think, you know, if if it's love that he needs, then let's, let's, let's shower him in the bloody stuff. You know, yeah. um, not too literally, of course, but, you know, let's, let's, let's give him that because... Yeah. Well, leave the golden you, you showers a, out of it, Tony. Yeah, you made a point, though, that uh, it was you or JK, but at the end of that Palace game, he was... So happy, and I've you've seen him he, when he when we score a goal, he's you know that's what I want to see proper leaping around, um you know um 
I'm happy with him. And getting rid of Lollishon was absolutely the right decision. He was a player on the spot club on. Right. Okay. Somebody who we've all warmed to, and I think uh, particularly Jonathan and I, is the man that they like to call Dave. His song was sung on uh, Saturday. Um, I'm, I don't. I mean, he was awarded the man of the match, Jonathan, wasn't he? But I think the most interesting and and uh, I think the best news of all from the week was the fact that he's signed a new contract. Um, I, I'm not going to ask you a question because I know you wanted to talk about Dave anyway. So so let's talk about Cesar Aspilicueta, Jonathan. I just think he maintains a wonderful standard. He doesn't miss any tackles, and he's so mm. quick and uh, and he leaps about the pitch like like a salmon. He's just phenomenal. Never stops running. Never stops covering. Um, uh, uh, it's, it's just hundred percent, hundred more than yeah, absolutely hundred percent. And also, um, you know, he's playing the third centre half really, and he, he, he's not an enormous. He's not an enormous uh, um, unit as a, a, a of a bloke, is he? He's a he's a fullback playing in another position. I think I think he has um, he has contributed so hugely to this uh, to the to the resurgence in form I think he's been fantastic fantastic player I mean I think he's been good every season um, I, he got a bit low last year like everybody but uh, um, it, his, his standard is, is, is absolutely phenomenal every match he's, uh, he's played out of his skin quite superb mm. You know, you know what? I mean, I, I, if it's really odd I had, I had a chat with Kerry on the, on the Kerry uh, preview show last week about, about Aspie and uh, you know, I, I, I declared my undying love for the for the little man, and Kerry Kerry wasn't too convinced, you know. And I and I thought, well, you know, the way I look at it is this: is that for me, uh, you know, Aspie's very much in the same kind of mould as as Paolo Ferreira. I think actually better, but that's beside the point. Much but the bottom better, line is, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I, 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 I'm not making the comparison in that way. The point that I'm making is that. You know, you might you, Aspie might not be a be a nine or a ten player, but he's always a seven, and he'll never drop below that. So there's a there's a solidity about him in terms of his performance levels, which which I I think means that he gets a bit underrated at Chelsea, and I think he's a very 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 good defender, and you know but a great team. A gra- hang on, 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 hang on. A great team needs players like Aspilicueta. You know they can't all be hazards or costers. You need players like Aspie, and I think that's what that's why I love him so much. Sorry, finish your point, mate. No, no, no I'm just saying with the number of headers he gets, number of near post headers he gets, and yeah. last ditch headers and corners, and for somebody as I say who isn't a you know a huge bloke, he's unbelievably reliable. And just briefly, can I get my sentence in about Alonso? Um, I yes. am <laughs> intrigued as to how Alonso figures so much in the attack. He really does. And uh, there are moments when you think, oh, he's not really, out, you know, he's, he's lost the ball, his centre isn't good. But the amount of work he gets through as well, this is why I'm so obsessed by the physicality of the team. Because they really put in, they put the work in. It's so admirable. It's fantastic to watch. But I keep thinking if they had a slightly better player than Alonso, a slightly better defender, uh, you know, they'd be, they'd, you know, the team would just be improved. question that we need to see next season, how much he tweaks to get perfection, because I think Alonso is doing wonderfully, um, but still is slightly, you know, my, I'm, I'm, you know, the the jury is out over him. But okay. the, the game of All Palace, right. he never stopped. He never stopped getting the ball and never stopped being involved. You know, good luck to him. All right, now listen. Um, I want to talk about uh, Oscar, but only very quickly. So I mean, we all know that. Um, 
it looks like he's going to uh, bugger off to Shanghai uh, for 60 million, which I think clearly is a good deal for Chelsea. There's no way they could turn that down. Uh, I think the question I really want to ask, uh, I'll ask you first, Alex, but the question I really want to ask is, has his Chelsea career been a disappointment? I mean, the, the reason I say that is when I, I was such a huge fan of Oscar when he turned up, that, that debut against Juventus, still one of the best Chelsea goals I've ever seen. Mm. And I and I just thought, this kid, he's 21, he could be one of the best players in the world, and my God, are we lucky to, to get him. But he's never really uh, delivered, I, I don't think, Alex. No. So is, is think... it a disappointment for you? Yeah, I think it's mostly disappointing as to how he's going. I mean, we thought we thought he was going to be on a. We thought him and Hazard would we'd be looking at them both like that, didn't we? And he's never yeah. come anywhere near that. I think yes, it's more than anything for me. I said in the blog that all I can think of with him going to China is that episode of The Simpsons where Homer sells his soul for a donut because it's ridiculous. <laughs> and when Conte says that he's concerned about Chinese buys, am I? No, because look at who's in that league. If you're going to a league with Sven-Goran Eriksson, Hulk and AVB, then you are bumming it with the the dregs of the footballing world as far as mercenaries go. I mean, they only need Harry Redknapp. And I said that um, he wouldn't do it because he can't drive Then they can all go Shanghai. Exactly. It just, I, I, honestly, I like to, I, my, I want to retain more faith in humanity humanity and in football like Conte said when you start kicking a football around and when you learn to love the game it's not about how much money you can make because let's face it there is no reason to go and play in China at the age of 25 or before you're 35 honestly if it's not money and that it just I'm not disappointed I'm sad for him because he really could have been amazing and he's still young enough to be amazing and he's pissing it all away to go and earn 400k a week so I hope he enjoys spending it because that's what disappoints me but I don't think I don't think he will become the norm I like to retain more faith in players mm. than that okay. that uh, that he won't become a trend fair enough Tony, Tony do you want to have a very quick comment on that um has his Chelsea career been a disappointment yes I think he he's not come close he, he's uh, he's a slightly better version of what's his name, Dos Santos or whatever that young lad was called. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. He's never, never really, re- never really done it for me. Um, when, when people were criticising other players, it, Oscar seemed immune to the fact that he regularly lost the ball upfield. I know he's a more creative and more upfield position, but um, if you're going to criticise Hazard and people like Joe Cole for not tracking back Oscar. Um, I'm I'm not sorry to see him go. I'm not going to do one of them. I'll drive him to the airport things. But um, 60 million quid, snap their hand off. Let's go out and get some, yeah, a couple of enough. really good players. Yeah. All right. I think Thanks, mate. Right. I've, got, I've got a few. Very, hang on. Sorry, John. I've got, got a few very quick plugs to, to give out. And then uh, I'm going to... It'll be all over to you, my friend. We've got four emails this week. So you bet, I hope you drunk your honey and lemon tea. I've, I've finished that one. Oh, yeah, I have. Yeah. Yeah. Go, go and make another cuppa now. You've got time. Uh, right. Sorry. Well, you've got time, kind of, we possibly. Have, it'll take me, now, it'll take me two minutes to get through this. Anyway, look, uh, usual plugs, which I, I, I feel duty-bound to give out, whether you like it or not. Yes, that's the way I roll. Uh, Chelsea Supporters Trust, join the trust, get your voice heard by the club, five quid to become a voting member, and that means that you get to vote uh, in our elections, and it means you can attend all the meetings and you can take part in the survey. Uh, basically, you know, all the issues that directly affect you and, and, and uh, get your voice heard by the club. Uh, it's uh, ChelseaSupportersTrust.com to go and sign up or, of course, follow them on Twitter at Chelsea S Trust. Uh, 
the latest CFC UK is available. Uh, Jonathan knows this because he had a, uh, a pic- he took a picture of He Who Must Not Be Named, the original, uh, way before J.K. Rowling. Uh, he Who Must... Actually, no, I copied it off her, to be honest. But anyway, uh, yeah, he was out there selling the, the new fanzine. If you can't get it in person uh, or, or by going to the stall on a home match day opposite Fulham Broadway Tube, you can always get it digitally by subscribing online at cfcuk.net. And if you're in the USA, uh, you can follow the Twitter account at cfcukusa. Uh, or if you want a hard copy, get uh, get, get uh, in touch with Dan Lundberg on Twitter, at dlundberg, B-E-R-G underscore. Right, uh, finally, uh, CPO. It's Christmas time, so therefore, good time to go and buy your loved one a CPO share. Or, better still, if you want to own a little bit of Chelsea and protect the future of the club, go and buy a share in the Chelsea pitch owners who own the freehold of Stamford Bridge and whose aim it is to ensure that Chelsea Football Club will remain playing football at Stamford Bridge. Uh, to find out how to buy a share for about 100 quid, uh, in, uh, email info at chelseapitchowners.com or check out chelseafc.com forward slash fans forward slash Chelsea hyphen pitch hyphen owners. And you can follow them on Twitter at pitch owners. And a quick uh, plug as well. There is a very good chance that he'll either be on the entire show or I will be doing a half an hour interview with him. But I hope to be getting... Charles Rose, who is, I think, the chairman of the Chelsea Pitch Owners at the moment. Uh, he's certainly on the board, uh, so and he's a lovely guy, and uh, he's going to come and talk about the, the Chelsea Pitch Owners and why it's important and why you should buy a share and what all the latest issues are, and he's going to be coming on sometime in January because, of course, the CPO AGM is at the end of January, so that'll be something to look forward to. Now, something else to look forward to is going to come up in a couple of minutes because we've got four wonderful emails to test the vocal cords of the honey and lemon tea drinking Jonathan Kidd. See you in a second. (laughs) Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge and you're listening to the Chelsea Fancast. We're on the home straight, part four. It's where all the emails get read, where you you all disappear because you think, oh, those bastards aren't going to talk about football anymore. A plague on all of your houses to any of you who do that. I see the figures. I know what you do. You think I don't take a, pay any attention, but I do. I see when the drop-off comes through, and it's a disgrace, I tell you. It's a disgrace. We've got the most fabled voiceover artist in the kingdom, Mr. Jonathan Kidd, to read out your emails. So I require you to listen and pay attention, because we get in for free, goddammit. This is like £1,000 worth of bloody voiceovers every week on this show. The least you can do is listen. Am I right, Jonathan, or am I right? Well, it's a, it's a, bit, a bit more than that, actually, Chidge. Well, exactly. I know. <laughs> Limey. There we go. Well, the, the man said it himself. You know, you're getting value for money, if nothing else. Uh, Jonathan, we've got some great emails, but I have to warn you now, this first one might be a bit of a tricky one. So take know, it away, I, I JK. Know, I, like I like the fact that I'm, I'm called kid in this one as well, as, as, if I'm being, mm. as if I'm at school and being told off slightly. It's good. Mm. Good. It's good. Well, I'll get very, very, very close to the microphone. How's that? Here we go. Um, this is from Sid who is not happy. Um, Hi, Chidge. Very much enjoy your podcast. You put a lot of work into it, and it shows. 
I do have a technical request. The audio levels of your guest, especially kids, are much lower than your level. <laughs> I actually can't hear much of what they say. I'm sure they sound adequate is one, if one is wearing over-the-ear headphones in the quiet of one's home. But I listen using earbuds while walking next to traffic. And as a result, some audio is completely lost. For example, this week, I couldn't hear any of kid reading the email. <laughs> I don't know what your technical setup is and how much you control you have over audio levels. But I'm sure I'm not the only one who would appreciate it very much if you were able to equalize everyone to your level, which is great. Thanks for taking the time to read this. Love your work other than kids. No, he didn't say that. Hoping for an <laughs> unbeaten end to the year and a nice gap at the top of the table. All the best, Sid. P.S. I hate kids. No, he didn't say that either. No. But, uh, yeah, okay, well, apart well from... Yeah, apart from point. Jonathan, would you like to make a comment on that? I will, of course, make a comment after you have made a comment because I feel like I should reply in some respect. But Jonathan, have you got anything well, I, to say in your defence? I'm distressed. I'm distressed heavily that that uh, only having a surname for one, uh, but, uh, <laughs> for two, for, for two, uh, um, uh, I don't, I don't quite know how we deal with this. Do you know how we deal with All this, right. Chidge? I do really, um, but I, I, I'll be really honest with you, Jonathan. And I'm sorry, you two. You'll just have to bear with us for a sec on this. But That's okay. uh, number one, <laughs> number number one, that email. Uh, turned up uh, before last week and I knew that Jonathan wouldn't be on so I thought I'd save it for this week uh, secondly and, 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 and I love him to bits and I'm please don't like, take this the wrong way of criticism but I have to say I do moan about this to, to Jonathan and others actually quite a lot uh, in their defence in their defence Sid um, I would just like to say the following things um I'm afraid, uh, you know, since the days when, you know, we've obviously had to move the show, uh, you know, to doing it on Skype, which I, I don't like, to be honest. I'd much rather we were all sat around a table, uh, either in the pub or my flat, where I used to have a wonderful um, mixer and we used to have, uh, you know, studio quality mics and I could adjust each mic independently depending on how loud or quiet the respective guests are which is kind of how you're supposed to do it. Sadly, with Skype, I, I, I do not have that latitude. I mean, basically, it's it's a group call on Skype, uh, which, I mean, you know, it's amazing that I can broadcast it live through Mixler, and, and actually Mixler sound is pretty good, but it doesn't allow me the opportunity to ind individually adjust the levels of each of the guests speaking. So I'm afraid we're held to ransom by really the quality of the guy's uh you know uh, internet signal number one and we're held to ransom by the quality of their mic and you know i i know a lot of them use headsets uh which are not bad but they're not perfect the only solution um and and, and, and you know i would love it if they all did it but I, I don't see why the bloody hell they should have to um but i mean i've got a a really good uh broadcast uh mic with a pop screen kind of mounted in my office, uh, which has got a USB connection. So that means the quality of, of what I'm, you know, my, the quality of my sound is, 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 is without doubt going to be better than the other guys because I've got a better mic. Uh, if we all had one of these, maybe it would be the same. I don't know. But uh, I, I'd love to have an answer for you, Sid. I'd love to be able to say, yeah, mate, next week I'll make it all fantastic and it'll sound like broadcast quality sound. But 
You know, we're, 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 we are hamstrung by the quality of the internet connection, which means that streaming and bit rates get in the way and sometimes it gets a bit funny. And secondly, the quality of everybody's individual mic, I'm afraid. So whilst it's, much, whilst it's a lot of fun to blame uh, Kid and give him a hard time, it's a tad unfair. How's that? Perhaps it's down to my enunciation. Perhaps I should enunciate more. Well, Am I the only one cause... thinking, Sid, get a life, though? Yeah, I'm, <laughs> no, you're not, Alex. Do um, you know what I'm thinking? Sid, it's not a very good idea to walk... It's a long-ass right. email about yeah. sound quality. Yeah. Well, no, I think... I think but yeah, you, both... yeah, you for doing the professional response and everything, and you've explained it beautifully in that, but come well, on, Well, and, and, and listen, actually, you know, I don't, I don't actually think uh, that Sid's having a go. Basically, what Sid is saying is I really like listening to your show, but I can't bloody hear it. And it pisses me off because I want to hear it because I like the show. He did say he's walking along traffic. Alex, Alex, this is why I produce podcasts and you write books. (laughs) Um, Anyway, uh, moving on, uh, Jonathan. uh, We've got, uh, uh, this is entitled, Come Dine With Me. It is. uh, uh, I'm going to enunciate this one more, okay? There is nothing wrong with your enunciation. You're you're the best enunciator there is. By Ross Park. Come dine with me. Evening Jets. Love the fan cart. No, it'll take an eternity, won't it? Okay. Um, <laughs> it will. Uh, so hurry up. Ross Park. Ross Park. Yeah, hurry up. Come dine with me. Evening Jets. Love the fan cart. In a world of bemusing, baffling, and boring <laughs> expert pundits. No, he's not criticizing the show. Trust me. Trust me. Oh, Owen, shit. I thought he was. The Red Nat, Chris Sutton, and my personal favorite, Garth Crooks, etc. It's great to listen to the views of real fans who watch the team week in, week out. Chidge, are you a real fan? Um, um, the transformation, yes, you are, of course. The transformation from last year to this year, as incredible as last year's downfall, and all credit must go to the work that Conte has done. Last year was the first time that I didn't enjoy watching Chelsea. The effort and attitude of the players left a bitter taste, and I was very much on the side of Mourinho in, squad out. That was never going to happen, and the board deserves credit for the way the situation has changed. Unfortunately, due to being a student, I'll pitch up a bit, who drinks his loan, I had to get a part-time job, as is the way I have to work weekends, causing me to miss much of the games live. It's a real testament to Chelsea that I can come out of work with the type of hump that puts a cakeless Yaya Toure to shame. For my mood mood to be instantly changed by a good Chelsea result as I bounce home to watch the goals. One thing that hasn't been given the limelight it deserves is the change in attitude of the players. I'm sure I'm not the only one whose opinion on certain players has done a full 180 since last term. I believe David Luiz is key and has brought a fun and character back to this squad. On this note, we often get caught up in the serious analysis of tactics and performance. In light of my recent adoration of the squad, I was pondering who would be my my ideal three dinner guests. I had to include past players to get in my hero. The dream trio for me would be to have Super Frankie Lampard, David Luiz and Diego Costa. I imagine a scenario where I'm quizzing Lampard for hours on end, basking in his glory whilst David Luiz and Costa play jesters at the other end of the table. Luiz flicking mashed potato at Diego, who is shooting peas into David's barnet. What do you think and who would you go for? (laughs) 
Looking forward to seeing Antonio lifting the trophy in May with Guardiola and Wenger sobbing on. Keep up the good work. Ross Park. And his Twitter handle is at Ross Park. And Park has got an E on it. 19 on Twitter. So that at Ross Park, 19 on Twitter. Good one. I like that. Who you have to dinner. And I'm a bit disappointed in um, Luis and Diego not communicating. But Diego can't speak English. So perhaps shooting peas is the best way for him to behave if you had them for dinner. So uh, who, who would you uh, have round for dinner, mate? Who would I have round for dinner? Yeah. I'd have um, Hullet. Hullet, best player I've ever seen at Chelsea. Uh, Hullet, I like Frank. I'd have Frank round, I think. And uh, um, uh, who could I have one other? Uh, and Robin. Robin. Mm. Okay, yeah, Tony, who would you have? Players. Didier Drogba, um, Peter Osgood, um, and I, I, the other one that I, I sort of struggle with. Other one, but I would, I would probably go uh, if it was Frank Lampard. Uh, my missus would run off with him, um, even if he didn't want it to happen. So uh, I would suggest maybe Charlie Cook. I think he'd have been an interesting one. He was one of my heroes. Very, as very. A kid. Would you have to get the Ouija board out for Oz, Ozzy? Uh, <laughs> wherever it's, I will tell we're you. We're suspending, uh, we're suspending disbelief on that, Jonathan. Tony. Oh, okay. Um, I, I will tell. Yeah, I'll tell you an Osgood story actually when I did meet him. But uh, yeah, I, I, just, I think I'd like to give um, Ozzy a second chance. There you go. That's mm. my hint at what my story is about. Alex, Alex, I have a similar story. Yeah, <laughs> I have Alex, no stories who... about Peter Osgood. No, no, no. But who would you have around <laughs> for dinner? I'd have Didier Drogba, so I could lick him for scoring that penalty. I'd have, <laughs> uh, I'd have Costa because I don't, I don't think he'd even use his hands. I think he'd just put his face in the plate, and it would be hilarious. <laughs> and I would have Alonso just because I'm a shameless whore and I just want to drool over him. Okay, you are so <sighs> sexual. Um, right, uh, for me, uh, you'll not. None of you will be surprised to hear this. I'm sure when I reveal the three that I would like to. Uh, to have around for dinner. Um, all I can tell you is that not a lot of eating would be involved. It would be Jimmy Greaves. It would be Peter Osgood. And it would be Tommy Baldwin. And it would be the drunkest dinner party known to man <laughs> ever. Would it not? Oh, yeah, definitely. You, yeah. You have chosen the three, the big three drinkers, haven't you, there? Yes, I have. And also... Uh, you know, uh, Jimmy Greaves. I mean, I know you saw him play for Chelsea, Jonathan. I never did. Uh, uh, I never actually saw Osgood play for Chelsea live at a match. Uh, I did meet Peter Osgood, though. I, had, I did an interview with him, which was wonderful, which many people will know because I wrote a blog about it, so I won't bore them with that. But And a lovelier man you, you'd seldom f- uh, meet. And, and Tommy, well, you know, his name is Tommy Ball, but he's the leader of the... Yes, anyway. Um, shall we move on for our next email? Because it is rather long, Jonathan. That was a cracking yes. email, by the way, Ross. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. Great idea. Dinner. Absolutely. Um, uh, Blake Martin, this is from. Hi, Chelsea Fancast team and listeners. I wrote to you a few months ago. I felt I was due to write another email. I get that feeling occasionally. Due to do something. Sorry, it'll be a long one. Sorry, it'll be a long one. And if you discuss any of these points in your show, please don't feel the need to read them again. Yeah, I'll just go through. Anyway, so we've got to the end then, Chidge. We've finished. No, 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 no. Um, um, no, I'm only kidding. First, I would like to thank everyone associated with this brilliant podcast. You're all doing a great job. Now, I'd like to talk about the club and the match against Palace and recent results as well as players. 
Chelsea looked fantastic in my eyes, but many are calling it luck. This quite possibly is true, but I've always thought you make your own luck and that 11 straight wins and only conceding two goals in that time cannot simply be luck. But moving on to players, Alonso cannot cross. Game after game, I watch him hit the ball either into defenders or away from Chelsea players, wasting good goal-scoring opportunities. McCarthy's disgusting stomp on Costa's face, which I believe pissed Costa off enough to go on to receive a yellow card. But McCarthy should have seen red in my eyes. David Luiz should stand far away from free kicks as he either misses or gives the keeper an easy catch. Credit to Alonso for his awesome free kick that hit the bar. I think Chelsea should take more shots from outside the 18-yard box, as I think this will result in more goals. Commentators should learn the player Kante isn't called Conte and that Conte, our manager, isn't called Kante, despite how much this amuses me. Fabregas deserves a lot more playing time, as whenever subbed on, he changes not only the game, but how we play and attack. On another day, he would have scored a similar goal to the Sunderland one. But his passes and just presence on the pitch really seems to have a positive influence on the whole team. No one seems to have noticed how much stronger our defence is this season, and all praise is going to our offensive players. But I think this year our defence is ten times stronger than ours of last season, and this should not go unnoticed. Yet another day, we're all praising Costa. But if Alonso and other players had been more clinical, I think we, we would have, we would have, as we should have won by more goals, maybe two or three nil, judging from our chances. And of course, how much of an effect will Costa and Kante getting suspended and missing out on the Bournemouth match have on the squad and their results? I think we'll still win due to Conte's genius and brilliance, but I'm not sure how easily or how we'll play to get the win. I've read many rumours that Terry will not be offered a new contract at the end of the season and that Conte has told him his time is up as a player at the club. Is there any truth in this and is it the right decision? Conte hasn't made many, if any, bad calls at Chelsea, so I'd say not. But this doesn't mean Terry will be any less of a legend and hero. And should the rumours be true, either way, keep the blue flag flying high. Up the Chelsea and Merry Christmas to all. Thank you very much, Chelsea Fancast. P.S. Costa's goal was good but a brilliant cross from Aspie. But their keeper did about as much as a broken condom. Cheers and sorry. <laughs> I'm not sure about the <laughs> but I've done it nonetheless. Okay. Uh, well, we, Tony and I were both going ah ha 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 at the, uh, ah, the yeah. um yes. Anyway, um, uh, th- there's only one thing I I, I would I think basically uh, Blake uh, as as so many of them do actually, and it's brilliant that they, you know, obviously they send these emails in before I write the script. I never you know pilfer from from their emails. I promise you, but it's amazing how many of them pretty much do the entire show in a, in an email. I just love that. The only thing I would add to that, of course, is that. You're right. There are rumours um, that were kicking around this week about John Terry possibly going to China as well. And um, the only reason I would embrace the idea of John Terry going to China is to hear Chinese commentators going, John Telly. Borderline racist, <laughs> uh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> People are a bit too sensitive. I've got to say, I, I disagree with near enough every point of that last email. But there you go. I think... <laughs> I think he's wrong on every count about Alonso and everything else. And I also think he's wrong about um, us not giving the defence some credit. I think so. Um, nice email, Blake, but, mate, I disagree with you. On, on all- well, there you go. That's But that's football, isn't it, Tony? It, it's all about opinions. I mean, just as a, to, to continue with the borderline racism, 
Um, I remember in the early days of the of the fan cast when we were doing it rather drunkenly uh, in Putney Station Bar. Uh, Ch- Chelsea were on a Chinese tour, and uh, I, I had only been able to find the matches on a very dodgy internet stream, and it did have Chinese commentary. And uh, I was ju- and I and I did say this a lot on the show, and every time I said it, it made me completely collapse in giggles and, and laughter, like the stupid little schoolboy that I am. But the, the the sound of Chinese commentators going, flanky rampart, flanky rampart. It's just too much. <laughs> super, 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 super flanky rampart. It was just brilliant. <laughs> anyway, enough, enough before I get sent away or, 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 or go, go, and, go and have to produce shows for Katie Hopkins or something. Uh, anyway, oh, death, last... death would be better. Yes, death would you, you be could better. Do that. Now, he's talking about talking about the desire to randomly punch somebody in the face if you were in the close proximity. <laughs> yes. She would actually... I would, I would like to kick her somewhere. That's all yes. I'm going to say. I might lose my Straight foot. Straight to the but baby go. maker. <laughs> to quote one. Anchorman. Uh, well, <laughs> yes, well, well, well put, Alex. Well put. Uh, I can't say what I really would like to say on this show, but I think you all know. Uh, Jonathan, last but by no means least, Michael Clark. And I was tempted to think it was Michael Clark, the former Australian captain, but I do believe that this guy's from New Zealand. He might be a relative. <laughs> borderline racist <laughs> uh, from Michael Clark hi Chidge and the gang great work on the pod and the new website looks much better yeah. no somebody likes this. the website he says, he's put no need to read this one out but I was hoping for a bit of advice shall I carry on yeah yeah because oh, I think yeah, we're yeah. going to give him some advice oh okay but he said no need to read this one out okay I will uh, my wife, daughter, and I will be flying from New Zealand to England in May, and we're dead keen to catch a Chelsea game, home or away. What would be the best way to get tickets? The reason I write is that I had a real struggle getting into Stamford Bridge back in 2011. You shouldn't have gone over the fence, mate, over the wall. I had tried getting <laughs> tickets at the home game against Swansea through the club and, and via GoGo months prior to the match but couldn't find anything that would allow me, my dad and my brothers, to sit together. After trying everything, we thought we'd bite the bullet and try for a tout outside the gate. But alas, we were told by security outside that most are fakes and we'd be wasting our time. We watched most of the game from Frankie's bar outside the bridge and I managed to get into the stadium in the last five minutes as a lot of people were leaving. In the five minutes, I saw Maluda bomb down the wing, crossed to Drogba, who smashed it through the back of the net. Fantastic. But I always wished I could get the other 85 minutes. We saw Chelsea play Sydney in Sydney, which was brilliant, but would love to see the real team play a significant match. Do you think it's worthwhile buying a true blue membership and trying for a ticket? Is there an online ticket exchange available to get tickets? Any help appreciated? Kind regards and keep the blue flag flying high. Carefree in the Antipodes. Mike. Wow. Well, um, yes, indeed. We have some answers for that. It's not... Go on, Tony. I was just going to say, it's not like um, there aren't opportunities to get, uh, you know, spares for tickets through through just this community. Uh, um, Yeah. You know, and and if you... You know, when I, I sold my ticket recently to... Uh, true, true, you know, Terry Neighbour. Um, and I said to Tim Roll, I mean, I, I didn't even get, ask for face value for it. I just said, you know, just give me this amount of money and, and that was it. And I just think, you know, there's this Chelsea family thing that uh, I'd 
I would trust anybody that I've I've met through Twitter and down at the cock and various other pubs. Um, if they say they've got tickets, I'm not sure a true blue membership is going to guarantee you that. I mean, it's, it's good to it have. Wouldn't, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. Yeah. No. So. I agree. I agree. Well, I think, and Twitter as well. Twitter as well with everybody. It, 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 that's the. Best yeah, but you've got to be careful. Remember, Michael. Michael Roban got absolutely stiffed. Uh, what What you mustn't do, Mike, is try and get it off Craigslist, because a mate yeah. of mine got royally stiffed by some absolute fraudulent. Be careful, Chidge. This is a family show, but I think you get the drift of where I'm going. <laughs> yeah. With that. Uh, so you have to be very careful. Uh, I think the thing you need to do, Mike, is you need to, to do everything that you can. And uh, you, you, the boys are right. You know, True Blue membership is not going to guarantee you a ticket, but it'll get you in the queue. So, yes, sign up for True Blue membership. Secondly, if you've got a, a, a supporters group, I mean, I, I get the uh, gist that you're in New Zealand, not uh, Australia. I don't know if there is a New Zealand supporters, official New, Ze- New Zealand supporters club. But if there is a, a, an official one near you, join it because the official overseas official supporters groups do get access to tickets uh, dependent upon how many members that they have. If you haven't got one in New Zealand, phone up your mates in Sydney because they'll have one. I know that there's one in Brisbane. There's some brilliant guys probably listening to the show, actually, who uh, who do uh, who do a fantastic podcast, actually. And, and that, so basically Australia has a lot of supporters clubs. They're very well organized. If you can't join one in New Zealand, I don't see why you can't join one there because they get access to tickets. Uh, there is an online ticket exchange. It is very good. Uh, the Supporters Trust did an awful lot of work helping to get that set up. Um, and it works, but you cannot access it unless you're a member, I believe. Uh, I, I mean, you know, I don't use it because I don't get rid of my tickets. So, you know, but so just try everything you can. And, and failing that, get hold of us before you come and we'll try. Of course, we can never promise because you just don't know. I'll give you an example. Um, a lot a lot of matches, you know, because we've got a lot of mates that go and we just know the community, quite often right at the last minute on the day before or the day of the match, a spare or two turns up, uh, even for the away matches, even for low allocation away matches like Palace was. But I'll tell you what, on, pa- on Saturday, there were way more people looking for tickets at the last minute than there were going. I didn't know of any that were going, and that's un- unusual. Right. So you you can't rely on that, but it's another avenue. But mate, do everything you can. Keep in touch with us. But join join True Blue, uh, join a supporters group, and keep in touch with us. And hopefully you'll get lucky. But as Mark uh, Barfoot and Mark knows his onions, as we all know, there is a massive problem with games in May. Um, you know we've only got as Mark's reminded me actually we've got we've got Borough at home and then I think the last ones away the last the last away and last home games of the season there'll be a huge demand for the games in May there always are and if we're in the hunt for the title then it's going to be like rocking horse shit so um, you know and Mark has also said because Mark as we know knows his onions there are no New Zealand clubs only Australia so yeah Mike get hold of the boys in Australia and see what you could do we really need to go because we've waffled on for far too long which is our way but before we do I'd like to thank Jonathan for reading his email so beautifully uh, if the level was a bit low um, clearly uh, I have a caveat emptor uh, as part of the podcast here so anyway uh, we love receiving your emails and we always try and read them out on the show uh, and uh, send them to chelseafancast at gmail.com before Monday and they will be read by Jonathan it's as simple as that now, that, I'm afraid, is all we've got time for for this week. Uh, we're off to stuff our faces with turkey and Christmas pudding, and then we will be back after Christmas, because obviously not next week, because it'll be Boxing Day. Uh, and uh, we'll be back in the new year, in 2017, the year that Chelsea will win the title. You heard it here first. 
Monday, the 2nd of January, and I'll be joined by Jonathan, Mark Worrell, and Dan Levine. Now, that is a lineup, if ever there was one. Uh, we will be reporting back on the matches against Bournemouth and Stoke. Uh, now, before you do that, of course, uh, don't forget to download this week's version of the Kerry Dixon preview show, which I will be recording with the great man on Thursday, and he and I will be looking towards the Bournemouth match. Now, don't forget to follow uh, the show on Twitter at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stamford Chidge, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, uh, uh, Tony at Grocer Jack UK, and the lovely Alex can be found on Twitter at which address do you like to use, Alex? Uh, at Churchill underscore Alex. That one will do. Not What about the World War One one? Yep, that's cool as well. A uh, blog with it advertised on both of them. So the Chelsea FC World War One as well, which is WW so and Ch- I think the number one. It, it's at Chelsea FC WW number one. Yep. And it's also at Churchill underscore Alex. It is. And where do we find your wonderful blog? Uh, you go to Facebook is probably the easy way to find it. If you look for Alex Churchill on Facebook and you'll see a random picture of me being silly with some magazines. There we go. And one day, yes, because the other thing we should say, and I forgot to mention, of course, is that Alex also sells the fanzine at matches. Indeed. On occasion. And what do you it say? What do you say, Alex? Hurry up. It's only or buy my fanzine or I'll cry. Basically. Yeah, that's a good one. That, that would work that better than Dave yeah. selling it. Yeah. Dave beats um, me if you don't buy them. That one works as well. That's right. It's like, it's basically Dave is Fagin and uh, you are all of the, his little urchins who sell the fans. I may out. have given that impression in order to get money out of people at well, some you point. Are you the slave at home office then, Alex? I was. I'm not ah. anymore. I couldn't take it anymore. Right. Much yeah, fun just, as it I've was. Just, I've being... found it on Facebook. That's all. I wasn't, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't no. not in a stalky sort of way either. Immigration enforcement anyway, uh, needs to work. One day, one day we might even see Alex's blog on the Chelsea Fancast website, eh, Alex? You never know. I told you, stick it wherever you like, Chidge. All right. Well, I'd love you to write for me. I, I'd love everybody to write for me, but I'd love particularly for you to write for me because I love what you write. It's as simple as that. Uh, talking of the website, of course, it's uh, ChelseaFancast.com. Do check it out now. Uh, first of all, I would like to wish uh, all of you guys, you lovely people here who have all been utterly fantastic tonight. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, but especially our people in Mixler who are lovely and are saying Merry Christmas to everybody. And of course, the thousands of people who listen to the podcast um, every week. Uh, just basically, I would like to wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And before we do the my thanks and the thanks for listening stuff, there's something that we should sing, which is particularly relevant at this time of the year. Um, and I will start us off. You know, you know what's coming, people, don't you? It's jingle bells. Uh, so a one, two, a one, two, three, four. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle, bells, jingle, bells, jingle, bells, jingle all the way. Jingle oh, what fun oh, it is to see Chelsea win away! Oh, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to see Chelsea win away! We Lovely. did that in the round, I believe. Uh, but anyway, look, many thanks to you three. You've been brilliant. You have been Tony Glover, fantastic. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure, as always. You have been lovely, beautiful Alex Churchill. Happy Christmas, everybody. And we have been the even more beautiful and even more lovely and uh, honey-voiced Jonathan Kidd.
No, I want to be known as Kid from now on. <laughs> the artist okay. formerly known as Jonathan Kid. The artist exactly. formerly known as Jonathan, and now he's known as just Kid. Next week it'll be Symbol. Anyway, yeah. you've all been brilliant. Uh, and anyway, you lot out there, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening for the whole of this year. Uh, see you next year. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. Up the chills! It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.